Hi, folks. How are you tonight? Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. One hour every Wednesday at 7 p.m. starting Eastern Standard Time till 8 p.m. And what we talk about here is small businesses. And when I say we, I'm talking about two partners and maximum value partners, a coaching, a business coaching company. My name is Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Sunhalter. And we're here to talk small business. And we define that from roughly 1 to 25 people, any industry. Adam and I have been doing business coaching for over 15 years and we've accumulated quite a few stories, quite a few situations. Uh, it, it goes to say with our backgrounds, we've probably seen most of what's out there. Not too many things surprise us anymore. And tonight we're going to talk about transitioning a company within a family. Pretty much the issues that we, we've personally been involved in, in probably at least 30, 40, Adam, uh, situations with family business transitions. And we want to focus tonight on on some pretty bigger deals, but they're all the same. The same problems pop up, and they pop up within families and out of families. But uh, it's kind of interesting. We got an interesting show tonight to talk about. Primarily, we're going to focus, start focusing on on sports teams and the billions of dollars that are flopping around out there on those things. So, Adam, what do you think? Absolutely, Jack. We got uh, lots of things to talk about as it relates to the succession piece, and uh, as is often the case, there's things in the in the popular media here that we're going to reference and, and, and make some comparisons, and we'll compare some pretty big and sizable things to some small things. But before we get into that, let me let people know how they can be part of the show. Uh, as always, we're we're taking calls. We got Sean sitting by with the looks like a Britney Spears T-shirt on tonight, so don't don't hold that against him. We like Britney Spears. She's just coming <laughs> back again. But you can hold them and talk to them about Brittany if you like Brittany at 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. Yeah, we can talk about Brittany. That's right. All right. I get that too, yeah. yeah. Jack knows who Brittany is. That's good. Now, if you put some of the songs on, let's see if he recognizes those or not. Maybe we'll have some Brittany here later. But uh, So that's the way to get, the, get hold of us here in the studio if you want to talk about uh, what we're talking about here in terms of succession stuff, some of the NFL stuff that, that, we'll, that we'll get into, or Brittany, you know, any topic you, you, you like. We're you know, we got some, you know, some pretty. We're, we're uh, here to talk for the next hour, so we have a, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, we we, we can cover a breadth of topics. Uh, you can also email us radio at maximumvp.com, or you can tweet at us. Our company uh, Twitter handle is at maximumvp. Uh, for Jack Mancini, it's at Jack M M V P, and for me, it's at Adam Sonhalter. So lots of ways to be part of the show, but. The topic tonight is how do you how do you transition the business and do you want to do it like an NFL team or not? And so this is kind of prompted by a couple of different articles that we found here recently. Uh, one actually was talking about our our beloved Cleveland Browns, and I say that because I've been in Cleveland most of my life and I've been a Browns fan since I was as young as I can remember. Have you ever been and another fan? Not a, no, not a football. Yeah. Um, I was a Redskins fan for a little bit growing up and a Steelers fan. My grandma's a big Steelers fan. <laughs> this is when the 70s and Steelers won all the Super Bowls in the early 80s and the, the, when the Redskins were really good with John Riggins. And the Browns had a few lean years there, you know. And then with my brother being a Cowboys guy, anybody who's playing the Cowboys was, was the team I was rooting for too. So kind of go both ways that way. Yeah. But yeah. in any case, there was, a, there was an article recently about succession planning. And they talked about uh, the Haslam family, which uh, for those of you who aren't from Cleveland, the Haslams are the folks you may have heard about them from uh, a little company called Pilot Flying J. 
Uh, so if you've been out in the roads and driving around, you may have stopped at one of those truck stops or not. But they had a little trouble with the law about, uh, what was it, about a year into buying the Browns where they had some issues with that company. Uh, but they, they, they've owned the company for about, about six years now. They, they've owned the Browns about six years now. And there was an article talking about how they're starting some succession planning. And their uh, one daughter, I think it's their eldest daughter, and her husband uh, have moved here to Cleveland. And the son-in-law has taken a, a more active role. And the way they portray it, it's almost like he's kind of following around the business guy right now um, in terms of kind of learning the ropes, so to speak, in terms of what he's doing day to day. But the idea is we're trying to get things started in terms of who's the next generation going to be. And as we're reading through this, it brought up another article that was done um, by Sports Illustrated. And just to, you know, just to give you a, a quick overview, then we'll, we'll talk about some of these different situations and uh, as Jack said before, we'll kind of relate these to, to quite a few situations we've been involved in because at the end of the day, even though we're talking about multi-billion dollar companies in terms of valuations here for these NFL franchises, the challenges, issues, things that come up in, in a family of business same are the same thing, whether, right. you're, whether you're worth $2 billion or $2 million or 200000 You know, family's family, and the, you know, the fact that you add some zeros to it or you add some spotlights to it, and the fact that it's more uh, publicly... Uh, noticed doesn't change how the family dynamics work. So you have 31 teams in the NFL that are privately held. You have one team that's public, which is the uh, the Green Bay Packers. So the town of Green Bay, the people there own it. You know, so there isn't you know there isn't like a uh, one majority owner. But the other 31 teams are all privately held. And they talked about in this article that, that I'll reference from Sports Illustrated talked about kind of successors being identified for maybe 13 of those teams. And some very interesting stories in there in terms of how things kind of happen. Everything from, from feuding family members to, to a new spouse coming in to you know, people being put in the will, taken out of the will. You know, and, again, it's all being done. And, and you know, try to picture this you know, with all the reporters floating around and what happens. And, you know, when you're you – know, the, the NFL teams seem to be um, much more visible, the owners, because the, there are fewer games, a lot more time in between stuff that happens. So – I think they, they become like, like local celebrities. I'm, I'm sure if you're in a town that has an NFL team, you probably have a sense who the owners Even if you don't follow football, you sure, probably have a sense who well, the owners They, they have to have a, a pretty uh, uh, high profile in the community. You know, they're with the billions of dollars that are floating around, they, uh, they have to make that presence known. They can't be hermits in the corner somewhere, not for the most part. No, they're usually pretty active in the community. Typically, like they describe you know, when people get involved, they have some charities that are set up, things that, that they're doing. So yeah, you know, besides just on Sundays when the games are going on, they're, they're, they tend to be more active in the community. Have again, they're they're they're, they're certainly one of the faces of the franchise. But uh, there's an article that, that Sports Illustrated they have a, a thing called the Monday Morning Quarterback. They did an article back in the summertime, and you know, I'll put a link to this in our in our show notes here. But they talked about, again, going through some different scenarios. Let me just kind of highlight some of these, these situations, and, we, and we'll kind of get into them a little more and, and compare them to some of the situations we've been involved in, Jack, but also some lessons you can learn. So the Browns, let me start there. So, so the Browns, you know, we have the Haslams that, that, that bought the team in, in, in 2012, which is about six years ago, and they bought that from the, the Lerner family. So interesting there is that the, the guy who bought it was a guy named Al Lerner. And Al, uh, people may know Al from his MBNA days. If you had a credit card, if, you, if you're older than, if you're 40 plus years old and you, you, know, you, you, have, you have credit cards, I'm going to guess at some point you probably had an MBNA credit card at some point. And yeah, probably. Al, Al Senior. Yeah, Al Lerner was the guy who was kind of, you know, he had a company that, that, that did that. He did, did very well, had a lot of other pursuits, but he was a self-made man. 
and he was a he, he was a Browns fan. So when the Browns came back, he was the guy who led the group to buy the to, to buy the, or to start the, the team up. You know, bought the franchise and started it up. And he passed away. Well, he bought it from when they moved to Baltimore. Well, no, no, the, the team moved to Baltimore, and he bought yeah he he bought the the new. <laughs> The new Browns, wherever where, where it was, yeah. the, the Browns franchise when it started back up again in '99, he was the guy who bought it, and then he passed away in what 2002, I think it was. So he was three or four years into it, right? Pretty right. soon into his it, his son took over. So his son Randy took over, right? So Randy's a second generation guy, right? And in addition to this, you, you mentioned he had what he had a he had a soccer team too, right? Over in yeah, uh, he, over he in cashed Europe. out of the Browns. Well, he had the soccer team while he had the Browns, but he supposedly was going to. Devote more time to the soccer team. That's why I sold the Browns. <laughs> right. Okay. So you see, you see him running. You know the the way that Randy was running stuff versus the way that his father Al was doing is very very different. It's a common challenge. We'll come back to the same during during the course of the show here. But having a second generation versus the first generation, and we saw again with the original Browns, the ones that you mentioned, Jack, that moved to Baltimore, where we had Art Modell, who had bought that team back in the mid '60s, and in the mid '90s they they moved to Baltimore and. His son David was always part of the organization as well, and, and he bought that team from uh, Paul Brown. Yeah, the founder yeah. of the team. Yeah, and then he fired him. And he got rid of him, right? Yeah, that made him a real popular guy. Sent, him, sent him down to, to Cincinnati <laughs> to start the Bengals, right? Yeah, that's right. Interesting history. But he was, the, you know, he was a key guy in terms of getting television involved with, with the NFL, and he's, he's, you know, Art Modell was was a pretty well thought of guy and, and pretty respected guy within the ownership. Uh, ranks, but he was a, again a self-made guy to a certain extent too. And he had David, his son, was who got involved with with things as well. And there were some there were some challenges there with it. And if you don't know the Haslam's much, again uh, Jimmy, who's the owner, and his wife Dee, Jimmy didn't start Pilot Flying J. He took it over from his father, his father right? right? And Dee comes from as we're learning more about Dee, she comes more public. You know, her her, her family, her, her dad was involved. In, I think it was in cable TV. Uh, to some extent, so she she kind of grew up around TV production and, and kind of around some entrepreneurship. But um, so there's they're, they're both from a history of family kind of family companies. And so for those of you on the outside who are not from Cleveland, you've probably heard some jokes about the Browns, and they've not been very good for a long time ever you since think? they came back. You really, think there's jokes about the Browns. There's a few jokes out there. Yeah. There's a badge of honor of one in thirty-one, which is the Browns' record the last two years. They were one in fifteen two years ago and zero in sixteen last year. But <laughs> even if you go back further than that, you know, I think they were four and twelve the year before. So there aren't there aren't a lot of success stories. I think they showed the, 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 the since the Haslam's bought the team, it's like I don't know, it was like seventeen and seventy-one or so, some crazy, some big, crazy, yeah. crazy bad numbers, Jack. But uh, in any case, they're still. Um, they still run this thing. They, they they've learned a lot. Uh, you know, they're 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 much smarter today than they were six years ago as it relates to what you know what all's entail with well, with, you with, think, with you running think a team. So. Just the experience, I'm sure. Now, how you apply that experience, that's the that's the the the, the magic track here. But yeah, go on. So they're being praised, I guess, in this article about kind of be, you know, hey, you know, they're, they're doing it early. I think I said Jimmy is 64. So relatively young, but and again they've only owned the team for like six years. But here they are, kind of getting the succession plan started. They're they're, they're working on it. So it's like, hey, is it too early or not too early? Hey, you know what? At least they're getting started. So again, trying to find something positive to say. That's a <laughs> that's a I guess that that's a good thing. And part of the beauty of a, of, of owning an NFL franchise, uh, this was quoted in one article as well, is that about eighty percent of the revenue is shared revenue. So it comes from shared, you know, license agreements or contracts, whatever it might be for TV and that. So, so you can be an A-class bozo, which we have a few <laughs> owners that are, 
and still reap some pretty good cash flow. Yeah, reap good cash flow, and then all of a sudden the value of your of your team, your business, is going to increase too. It goes all all boats rise and kind of fall together as it goes. You mm-hmm. know, so there's good and bad with that. But so they've come in not one not one much, and yet the the, the value of the company's increased. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Now, if you can handle all the public floggings you get, because obviously that they're doing it in a very public fashion, is kind of what's happening, right? So this was kind of prompted by this, and there, there was a, this article back in July in, uh, on Sports Illustrated, and uh, again I'll put a link to it. Their Monday morning quarterback talking about, you know, the, the, the idea of a family business, and again most of the, the the NFL franchises are really a family business, and there are a lot of missteps that kind of go on. In fact, that's a good point. Are there any that aren't a family business? Are there well, sole owners? Well, for the well again for the NFL. Well, no, in fact, that'd still be a family business. Yeah, right? exactly. The, the NFL has a rule. I guess you, you can't you can't have a corporate ownership. Okay. I guess back in the day they were given stories about how Disney was trying to maybe buy rights to a team and start a team in LA back in the '90s, and they decided no, that's not what they want to do. They want to have individuals again. Other than you know, Green Bay is very unique that it's owned by individuals, but it's owned by I think it's several thousand individuals each own shares. Okay. And the Green Bay Packers, but it's people that are there, and there's a waiting list, you know, 50 miles long of people who are waiting to to, to buy shares when somebody passes away or wants to sell wants to sell the shares. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, they're pretty much all a family business. You know, mm-hmm. and the question is, do they have more people who are involved or not? So we'll share some of those stories when we come back about some of the 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 bumps and bruises of some of these NFL teams and what they've been kind of doing, and then we'll start to then relate it to some of the experiences we've seen, which again, Jack, are very very similar to what what. Yeah, uh, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. How, how predictable certain situations are. So. All right, so we'll have some of that coming here after the break. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini, and we are business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. All right, we got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way. So stay tuned here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 1015 FM, and online, wintradio.com. After all these years. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. We're here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Thanks for being here with us this evening. I'm your co-host, Adam Sunhalter. And I am Jack Mancini co-hosting with Adam Sunhalter. All right, tonight we're talking about succession and and family business, and we're using the model of the NFL as a family business to talk about some things that maybe you shouldn't do, but you could also probably relate to. So uh, we're referencing an article that we, we, we have, and again, I'll put it in the notes here, that was done on uh, Sports Illustrated. If you go to SI.com and Monday Morning Quarterback, you, you can find this article. We get, we'll have it in our, in our notes, too. But I want to highlight a couple of the, the, the teams that they talked about as it relates to some, some family succession issues. And the first one was the, uh, the New Orleans Saints. And so the, the owner of the New Orleans Saints is a guy named Tom Benson, kind of a very kind of out there kind of guy. If you've seen any football, and they, they, they won a Super Bowl several years ago. And this guy used to be famous for kind of, you know, he'd carry this umbrella around, and they, they'd sing a Saints song, and he has like this gold umbrella, which is the, the colors of the Saints and that. And he was, you know, a pretty successful guy uh, in the business. And then he, he, he What owned, did he do, you know? I think he had car dealerships and some bank stuff that he was, he was involved in. Local, local. Local guy. Louisiana yeah, guy. Louisiana, yeah. yeah. And they, they had said in the article, Jack, that he was the only billionaire in Louisiana. And he owned two teams. He owned the New Orleans Saints, which is a football team for the NFL, and also owned the uh, the, the New Orleans 
Pelicans, the, really? the, the NBA he, team. He's a native. I mean, he's a native Louisianian. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, I didn't know that. So he passed away a little while ago at the age of ninety, and they were talking about and the way the article starts, talking about his funeral, and I was a big, uh, you know, big to do. I mean, he's a he's a local hero. I mean, obviously bringing a Super Bowl champion to to, to New Orleans. It was right after you know, a couple years after Katrina hit, so he was very very well loved and thought of guy, and it was a a big deal. So they're talking about how the, the the local announcers are mentioning here's ways to avoid routes to kind of avoid all the the, the big hubbub with this, you know, with his. Uh, his his burial and that or what have you and they were highlighting the article was that there were some people that were missing again you know, the whole you know almost whole city of New Orleans is there to to, to to say you know to bid their their fond uh, farewells and yet his daughter and two grandkids weren't there and they weren't <laughs> there because they were told not to come they were given a private viewing three days earlier and they go into the history about this this daughter and 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 uh, two two grandchildren. All their first names begin with the letter R, so they were known locally in the local rags as the three R's. So you can picture a soap opera kind of playing out here that um, they were brought in to kind of take over, you know, when when uh, when he was, you know, they're going to retire or pass on, they'd kind of take over what was going on. And in fact, the one uh, granddaughter was rising pretty quickly when she's in her 30s as part of the organization and doing very, very well. And then they, they say things kind of took a turn for the worse when all of a sudden... Uh, you know, Tom took on his third wife, and the, the the daughter and the grandkids weren't as fond of this third wife for whatever reason. And they 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 pinpoint a, about three or four years ago during a, I think it was a playoff game too, where there was a scene where the granddaughter is grabbing this third wife by the shoulders and shaking <laughs> her. You know, the, 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 so this granddaughter's in her thirties. Having a battle. I yeah, mean, and, the, and the and the wife, you know, so you know, can't stand it. Tom's anymore, in his eighties, I think. At this point, public. but his wife's in his sixties, so she's a young wife compared to his eighty. But <laughs> you have a thirty-eight-year-old, a sixty-five-year-old kind of going at it, right? Here they are in the the fancy whatever owner's box, right? Uh-huh. Grabbing, shaking, all of a sudden, okay. So <clears throat> they keep the cameras on it. I'm sure I don't they remember. Yeah. That's a good story. I don't remember that. So I don't know what the cameras there. That yeah, the the the, the local media, whoever it was, but yeah, the the, the local media is all tied into this whole family drama what's kind of going on and so lo and behold with you know pretty shortly thereafter there was a letter that you know tom had written to them and explained that he was taking them totally out of everything that was going on and he was changing his will to also now everything was going to this third wife so now they say hey all of a sudden he passes away now his wife who i guess she had a, a her background was in business to a certain extent it had some uh, i think it was a, a design business of some type of kind but she now is probably if not the one of the most powerful females in sports because she owns an nfl team and an nba team and again they've been married they were married for whatever 10 12 years and where are the and, kids well the, uh, the the daughter and the grandkids were again they, they were shunned from even coming to the to the public <laughs> public funeral it's uh, and they were suing and you know hey because their dad was losing his mind we changed his will as he got older and we should kind of come back but so it's going to continue to kind of play out but this whole idea of a new spouse coming in to create a different dynamic as part of what's going on. Very common. You've got, you know, we, we see a lot of divorce as part of business, Jack. I mean, it's part sure, of life in general. Sure. We see it as part of business. And you've got new spouses coming and going, and often the kids aren't as fond of what's kind of going on. Who no, does the family what, dynamics, especially in pro football or pro sports, very, very uh, visible, very public. And any spats they have are going to be known to the community. I mean, you can't avoid it. Right. The newspaper reporters are, are sitting outside their house uh, day in and day out. So they won't get through anything like that versus a company that isn't family-owned. 
they're going to have their own problems, but they aren't nearly as public, and and uh, it, that's a big, big differential. So you start to chronicle. You start to chronicle what's going on in those families. They become movies, and, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just so so here you have a you have an owner, brings in a kid and grandkids, and they start the process of of, of transitioning it over. But all of a sudden, wham! Now, as we've said numerous times here, both on the air and off the air, Jack, that. The person sleeping with the owner's got a lot of power, right? So Boy, that's, don't they? That's <laughs> so, right. So here's here's is now his widow has now been, you know been given given two teams as well as whatever else he had, right? So um, interesting, and I'm sure there'll be all kinds of it'll, it'll be playing out for years, if not decades from now, in terms of what's kind of going on because she's still relatively young. I think she's in her 60s, maybe 70s, um, but I'm, I'm sure there'll be. A, most of it will, will be public, right? So that's that's just one of the teams that they talked about. They also talked about. Uh, the Carolina Panthers. So this is an expansion team back in the in the in the early '90s, and and some of you may, may be aware of this because the the, the 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 guy who owned the team um, just about a year ago, when the, all the sexual assault stuff was kind of coming out and the hashtag Me Too thing was coming out, he was accused last December of some inappropriate advances or sexual harassment stuff as well as some other off-color things that were going on and there was I guess there was an article in the morning about that that came out with these accusations and literally the same day in the afternoon an announcement came out that he was going to sell the team <laughs> <laughs> so obviously probably knew that like some of these things were kind, put of, up with, yeah, right, okay. were, were kind of percolating what have you but be, before this you know you should go back he had I guess he had two sons that were, that were very actively involved in the business and they were in different roles you know, so you had one kind of running the team. One was running, I think, the stadium part of it. And so they were again, they were very different roles, but they were very key roles. And apparently, these two just couldn't quite get along. And so there was a lot of pissing at each other and fighting and everything else. And and they mentioned that there was a very short terse press release. I think this was back in 2009 that stated simply that both of the sons had resigned their positions. And that was kind of, <laughs> that was kind of it, right? Kind of done. And so you fast forward another eight or nine years, and the, the, the accusations come out about you know inappropriate stuff that, that this guy was doing. He's going to sell the team, and so he wound up selling the team uh, earlier this year to a non-family member, just to you know, it was to a uh, a guy I think it was a hedge fund guy from from Pennsylvania who who came in and bought the team, and uh, the uh, the family piece didn't happen. And it's very common. There are stats that are cited that we we know pretty well, Jack, that. You know, 70% of companies don't make it from generation one to generation that's two. A, that's a very interesting statistic, isn't it? Yeah. That they can't. I mean, this no matter is size all or companies. shape. Yeah, that's right. 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 70%. Wow. So they either, they either close up the doors and go out of business or they sell maybe to somebody else who's not family. But they, 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 it's rare. And we know it's a pretty common thing. The majority of folks who get into business think about that. They, they think about the idea of creating something that will go. From one generation they to the all, next. Yeah, they all talk about it. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like every one of them would like to pass it on to somebody. So I'm sure you, you, you can relate to that. We've had we've had a number of stories like that. We've had some kind of the, those warring factions going on, and there's ways to to handle it to make sure that 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 things go well. You know, and so you know, if you have at the end of the day, there's there are a lot of lessons we can learn as we go through, and I'll, I'll we'll get into some of those. But I want to have a couple other stories I want to I want to share too. But so. So the Panthers were the, the kind of the, the the two warring sons again. They, they were given the uh, the business base to kind of run it, and they couldn't get out of their own way, right? So that happens that that happens quite a bit. Yeah. Um, there's another story 
this one I found interesting. I got about two minutes here for our break, but I, you know, it was the Chicago Bears. And so anybody who's a football fan at all has probably heard the name George Hallis. He's Papa Bear. He's one of the founders of the NFL way back. And he, you know, had the, the Chicago Bears, you know, was his team. He's a Hall of Fame guy, you know, the, the, the Bears. His daughter, or I guess at this point is 94 or 95 years old, huh. still owns, <laughs> owns the and, team. And she's active. And she's active in it. it. And I guess she has 11 kids. Oh, boy. And at one point she had one of her uh, kids, I believe it was a son, who was, they said was the most educated person to run an NFL franchise. He had a Ph.D. in business. She'd pulled him in, uh, I think against his will. He'd run it for a while and then left several years ago to pursue his passion in photography. It's so another kind of like, well, here they are. They got, you know, they got 11 kids and a 95-year-old woman who owns it, and she, what are they going to do? <laughs> so she, she, she's running it or that some of the kids are? I think that's a professional staff. Well, part I'm of the sure, article so. is I'm not sure who's running it, but she's still there and making comments about how the team's doing or not doing. But it's like, okay, what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. try to picture that mess. We got you have 11 kids plus who knows how many grandkids and everything else where and she's going to you know eventually pass away. What's going to happen then? And, and you know the reporters are going to be all over that, seeing what's going to happen. But they've you know they haven't seen much interest in the kids yet <laughs> yet to kind of get involved in it. So, all right, so we got, we got some more <laughs> stories from this and, and stories from things that, that that we've done and some lessons we want to be able to kind of to talk about here as well, Jack. So we've got more of that coming up here after the break, so stay tuned. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini, and we're business coaches talking about business tonight, small businesses, and transferring from one generation to another. All right, we got more Dirty Secrets coming your way here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, rocking out here, Jack. We got the... Extra drums are kind of going, sound effects. I like That's it. Welcome, right. welcome sounds, back. Sounds good. Sounds real good. That's right. We're here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We're talking about trying not to do succession transition planning the NFL way. We've got some stories we're sharing there in terms of what hasn't been going so right and referring to a couple articles that are out there and referencing back to a small business and how there's a tremendous overlap in, in ways things can go. And so we shared a couple stories how of come, NFL teams. How come, how come these problems seem to... Uh surface time and again how come what what well, what's uh, you know you had mentioned something in the first segment there about um the the son-in-law of the haslams who's shadowing the financial and the business guys and i don't know what that means you know and i say that from our our uh, coaching experience we don't like the idea so many people will say owners of businesses owners of small businesses will say, hey, my son's going to join the company, and all he has to do is follow me around for six months. Well, that's not good. It's not the right way. It's not the effective way, and it also causes problems, usually down the line. We we advocate and teach that you don't just follow me around, kid, and I'll teach everything you have to know in six months. You have to, as the heir apparent, prepare a business plan, not a fancy college uh Uh, work that nobody can understand, uh, a practical business plan that can demonstrate that I, the owner, I, the retiring owner, I, who is going to give my company to my child, uh, that child is ready to take it over. He or she's going to convince me because of the planning 
that they can present that they know what the heck's going on. And that's a key to success that seems to be failing from our observations, most small businesses. One of the biggest reasons that they don't really succeed, that 70% number that Adam talked about before, of companies not being successful, passing it on to the next generation. I think that's a big, big factor. Uh, the, the big factor is that they don't plan, they don't have to present a plan that's convincing. It's just given to them, half, half-ass somewhat, and that's why it gets destroyed. That's one of the key lessons learned, Jack. You jumped on that, which is great, which is great. Have the kids present their plan, make the case why they should be the one. And we often will talk about, you know, you mentioned the whole, hey, follow me around for six months, kid. Here's what it, here's what it sounds like. Here's the, the direct quote from um, the, the son-in-law's bio on the website for the Browns. says, he, quote, works closely with the chief operating officer, David Jenkins, and leading the business side of the organization. <laughs> that's fancy pants talk for, hey, <clears throat> follow me around for the next six months, kid, that's do what I do, exactly right? exactly right. So that's what it sounds like in the, that's the, right. the, 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 the PR press world, right? So... So that's a big deal, being able to do that. And we touched, too, on the, in the first segment in terms of, like, second generation and how important that is. I think one of the keys there we've talked about numerous times, Jack, the whole idea of being able to kind of grinding things out. Yes. Be able to push hard to, to truly have your back against the wall. It, it, it is so, so difficult to do. So, you know, make sure we're clear on this. We aren't, we aren't saying that, like, we're, we're highlighting here, whether it be in the, in the NFL family companies or your family company, it is so hard when that first generation has success and you have that second and third generation, so the, the, the kids and the grandkids, they grow up with, with money. They grow up where things are a little easier. You, you, have, you have some advantages that, that, that other folks don't have, and most likely the, the advantages that this first generation who was grinding things out did not have as well. And so to try to create an environment where those kids and grandkids have to kind of grind things out that's difficult to do it's very difficult to do and it's difficult um, on many levels not the least of which is the emotional part of it. again these are your kids we're talking about right these are your grandkids we're talking about and your natural tendency is to want to surround them and help them and, and, and right. prop them up that's, you know that's exactly right and so it's it's difficult to do and, and you know it's not impossible but it's difficult to do and so, you know, trying to find ways for them to kind of grind it out. And, and one of the other key lessons here is, you know, that kind of ties into that is the family members need to know that they need to perform. So one of the good things that happened with the Panther situation was his dad said, hey, guys, you guys can't get your stuff together and stop fighting. You guys are done. I'm sure he told them that a hundred times. And my guess is at some point, that, you know, they didn't believe him. And somewhere he woke up, he said, hey, I'm done. Here's the press release. You're both resigning. <laughs> Get out of here, right? And they're probably both that. You know, both that. I'm sure their jaws hit the table. Like they couldn't believe it. Dad, you can't fire us. And guess I what? Just did. Just did. You know, yep. same thing happened with you know with New Orleans. Okay, so you know, to me, those are very positive lessons. That hey, you know what? If you aren't performing, if you aren't the right person, I'm not just going to give it to you because you're you know you're of the bloodline. I think even even with uh, you know the the fancy dancy help advising transitions, they don't focus. They don't focus on the doing part. You know, they'll do the legal part, the accounting part, the financial flows. Everything will be I dotted and T crossed. But it's who's teaching the the kids, if they're assuming that's who's going to inherit it, uh, who's teaching the kids how to run a company and how to demonstrate that they know how to run a company. 
those things are people just look the other way like somehow that's going to happen if if all the legalities and all the accounting work is done well it isn't and it surprises us time and time again why nobody who's in that advisory role suggests something like that that you put a program in place that shows that whoever you're transferring this ownership to can handle it and they've convinced it they, they've convinced you by presenting to you a very, very comprehensive plan, and they show that they can handle people. Without those, they've been, they've been coddled for the most part or certainly have had advantages, and those advantages coupled with, with not having to prove themselves really doesn't surprise you when you think about 70% failure rate. All right, let me get a couple other stories in here for the NFL, Jack, so it'll tie back Fire some away. of the points I want to make. So. The Denver Broncos. So their owner, uh, I believe his name is Pat Bowen, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he had seven children. And coming back to where emotions come in, and you know, as a parent, seven. the natural tendency is to want to be fair. Right? I want to treat all my kids fairly. Even though and one of the lessons I got here is that all kids are not created equally. Let's keep that in mind. I'll come back to that here in a little bit. That's one of the lessons we've learned here. But at seven, and <clears throat> he wanted them to all have equal ownership. Now, ownership is one thing, but management can be something different. And this is where it gets really murky, especially in a family business, where you've, and true for most small companies, you've got ownership and management and boards or whatever else you got, it often becomes the same people, right? So what was implied here was, okay, well, hey, I'm just going to be fair, give all my kids equal one-seventh ownership in the team. And, and it's like, well, okay, well, How's that going to work? Who's going to do what? So eventually he said, now what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put it into a trust and brought in a professional. And this you know, this is a, a guy he brought in that uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's in, it's in the article. He was uh, the nephew of George H.W. Bush. And so he had some very intimate knowledge of family business and transition and what kind of, you know. So it could be very sensitive, this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And what's funny about this and what, what I want to do is highlight you know, what his charge was in terms of trying to find who the successor might be, Jack, right? So it was very general, apparently, in terms of some abstract qualities that, uh, that the plan called the, for. That's who the next who the Yeah, next so this is, this is, this is the, the owner, Pat you know, Bowen, saying, hey, this is what I want you to kind of use as a guide to figure out who's kind of next. I don't oh, know if okay. it's written down or okay. whatever it's about. It says yeah. qualities like leadership, integrity, sound judgment, okay? So... Well, geez, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's going to be in the in the eye of the beholder, Jack. It's like you know, looking at, at news media and, and how they're going to do a story, depending on how they look at the world. Same thing's true. How, how do you define sure, those things? Sure, and I'm right? here now. I want you to take on this project, and you don't know how to do it, and you screw up. So, yeah, any one of those could describe poor yeah, so, performance so as well as good performance. Well, he looks at that, but he also looked at some other requirements, such as maybe an MBA or a JD. A JD, for those who don't know, that's the Juris doctorate, that's fancy pants words for somebody who's a lawyer. They got, they got their law degree. Mm-hmm. Or other advanced business-related degree and mandates at least five years of senior management experience with the league, a team, or a stadium. Though it does not specify which job titles are considered, quote-unquote, senior management, right? So this checklist, is it's good. It makes some sense. It's, it's, it's nice and everything else. But it's like, okay, let me make the point here. Well, you're the current owner. You got to make a decision. Don't don't give it to somebody else. Like, so, you know, if, you're, if you're putting out a checklist like this, you have an idea 
of what you're looking for, it's right? It's too hard. So they kick the can down the road to the next group. I can't do this. I got oh. seven kids, and hell, I don't know how to. I don't know how to pass it on. So, so I'm going to hire an expert and tell him to do it. All right. So what happens here is so okay. So this stuff's kind of out there, and again, as we mentioned before, the, the the press is all over this stuff. So things are leaking out, and whenever it comes out of the press, you know, you're, you're always getting you're getting pieces of the of the picture, right? It's like looking at a puzzle, and you're getting different pieces, so you kind of you kind of get a sense of what it looks like, but you're not quite in, you're not quite in all the details, right? But I guess apparently earlier this year, uh, the the second oldest child, so number two out of seven, right? Apparently she had tried to make her case to to a to a, a, a reporter, and say, hey, you know, I recently earned my law degree, and so I've now completed the criteria laid out by the trustees. So here she is trying to make a make her case going going to the media, right, to kind of get get the word out there, right? And so the trust responds to this. <laughs> Tersely, it says, the trust trust has informed her that the determination that she's not capable or qualified at this time <laughs> will continue to follow the succession plan. Blah, blah blah. Okay, so here's what happened. So the the, the, the owner didn't make a decision, Jack, That's, and punted it down. Kind of gave some guidance. All comes down, but to wanted that. to let somebody else be the bad guy. I'm well, not going to be the bad he guy. Know how. He doesn't know how. Right. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to set up a transition. And most of the advice out there, in fact, I'd say 99% of the advice out there is focused on the legalities and the accounting. That's where you get the advice, not the practical hands-on solution, much like the, 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 the daughter who just got her law degree. Educational credentials are going to qualify you to run a company. What a bunch of nonsense that is. That can help. It can give you some insight. But it certainly isn't the major criteria. All right. So let me give another similar situation to, to what happened with the Denver Broncos, happened with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they didn't have seven kids, Jack. They only had three. No. Oh, okay. So that makes it easier. Right? easier. Only got yeah. three, right? So uh, Bud Adams, and so and I'll, I'll start this story. I know I'll probably have the break here in between. I'll get it started. So Bud Adams bought the Houston Oilers. That's where they originally were. They moved to Tennessee probably 15 years ago. And he was thinking about succession, much like we mentioned the Haslam's at the beginning. He was thinking about succession stuff, so he wanted to kind of get things set up. His idea was, let me get all three kids, get them equal ownership, but let me make sure that on any kind of key decisions, they've got to have a, a three-quarters supermajority vote in terms of being able to do something, right? So what does that mean? It means that they all three have to agree on any kind of major decisions. Okay. I don't want two of you ganging up on the other one and kind of you know, knocking them down. And what's interesting about a couple of things are interesting about it. one is I guess this was, this was illegal from the NFL's rules standpoint that they say that's not supposed to be done, but it's still in their bylaws and they're operating that way. But he had tried to set that way. He said, yeah, I want to make sure you guys do it this way. And the idea, again, not deciding who's in charge, just saying, hey, almost kind of like you guys figure it out, right? <laughs> and so – you know, he passed away, and the kids are, you know, and, and they were involved in, in, in different forms or fashions, kind of in and out during, you know, different periods of time. And they mentioned a, a, a son-in-law who was involved and got fired, then got brought back in, then got let go again. And, you know, it's all, all that kind of drama that, that we know happens a lot, Jack, right? And, you know, I'll come back here. There's something that, 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 that the one of the three did that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk about it here when we come back from the break. So stay okay. tuned here about that. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. We're business coaches talking about family transition of businesses tonight. Okay. Got, that's right. we got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way. So stay tuned here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. 
Dancing around in the studio because we're yes, enjoying we some are. of the tunes here. We are, we are, we are enjoying it's it. Little Elvis, right? There we go. All right, we're all shook up, Jack. I think that's the song. If I got I'm that all down. Shook up. Mm. You're wearing mm. black. Mm. Yeah, 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 all shook up. Uh huh. Yeah, we are. All right, we do karaoke in here sometimes from seven to eight p.m. on Wednesdays, and we appreciate you joining in. If you want to sing along, you're more than welcome. So, we're talking tonight about family transitions, uh, and we're using examples that are out in the public in terms of the NFL teams and. We went to break. I was talking about the Tennessee Titans and how they had three kids that were there, and the, the Bud Adams, who was the owner, decided to have them all equal shares, but you know, put in a rule that they had to have a supermajority of of three quarter votes, which means that all three of them had to, had to decide because if two out of three, it's only two thirds. So, any case, so what happened was, uh, you know, so Bud Adams passed away. Now these these kids are equal owners, and one of the three kids, in her ultimate wisdom, decided to put up her one third ownership for sale i'm trying to picture that pitch jack that'd be a tough one wouldn't it hey i got i i, I got a brother and a sister here that own the other two-thirds and uh can't really do anything you know they can't gang up on you jack because you know they, there's a super majority thing here that you know all three have to agree on major decisions so you, you want to come in and take me out and take you my can't one-third ownership? sell your shares <laughs> you probably got to hold on to them you know and uh i'm, I'm guessing I, I could be wrong here but when they talk about the supermajority, you know for major decisions i'm guessing somebody's selling <laughs> whether it be selling all of it or selling their piece of it would be a major would, would be a major yeah, yeah it would be a major uh decision jack right seems to make sense good <laughs> sense that's so right. so yeah trying to do those kind of things so that's again it's another example of of the current generation not really deciding Trying to be a little creative, I understand, but again, avoiding some of these difficult conversations. And again, all kids not being created equally. And ultimately, somebody's got to be in charge. So nominating somebody who's going to be in charge is a, is a big, big deal. It is a big deal. And it's a, a very, very hard decision to make. The stakes are huge. The emotion is huge. Here, it's probably the first time in your life you're, you're, you've transitioned a company. And so you don't have any experience for the decision of your life or the biggest decision in your life. So, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. So we've had experience with all those things. We've had cases where we've got siblings fighting, and what we do is we work them through. We haven't talked through this stuff. And, that's again, right. we're talking through it in private, and it's relatively public because they're talking to each other, talking to the, the other generation about it. And these, these aren't – there aren't cookie-cutter solutions to it, okay? And I think that's you know, where people will get lost. Like, well, what's the answer? Well, the answer is you start to kind of work through it, and you keep the big picture in mind. You keep what's in, in mind what's best for the organization. And I think that often gets lost. People will kind of talk about it a little bit, but you know, we were talking before we, before we got on air here, Jack, about you know the whole idea of you know money being the root of all evil and what happens, and, you, and all of a sudden you see people where we've got again. This, this, we're talking about tremendous wealth here. You know, the, the, the average NFL franchise is worth you know two or three billion dollars. Okay? That's right. Two or three billion dollars. That and, brings out yeah. That brings out a lot of interesting emotions. Uh, it's a it's a uh, it would be defined by anybody as an opportunity of a lifetime to uh, participate in the billions that are involved. And you have many of the folks who are involved with this where, again, even when it's that first generation, when they bought the, 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 the franchise, it was maybe maybe tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions at the high end, okay? And so this has happened over a number of decades where things have increased pretty pretty well pretty rapidly. And so, yeah, so all of a sudden you have this, this wealth, and it's always kind of been there. And so... 
there are certain things you got to do as, as a leader to kind of make sure that's going to happen. A, a big part is, is trying to help them make sure. We, 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 Jackie did a good job describing earlier in terms of having the kids, if they're the ones. Okay, well, you got to make present your plan. And if your plan is to have, you know, if you're, whether it's seven of you or three of you or one of you, making the plan for who should be the one in charge and why. And it doesn't mean you can't all be involved, but again, somebody's got to be the one at the end of the day that can help move this organization forward and doing what's best for the organization. Well, you want everybody to, to perform to their maximum and do their best to, to show why they should lead the company. How do they demonstrate that? How do they do it? By presenting a plan. And right. then, you know, having it, having it broken down in such a way that it's practical and it's common sense. And there should be a winner. And my decision as the owner, I'm going to pick that winner because that winner has demonstrated that they out of the seven, they out of the three, they out of the five, whatever their competition is, has done the best. And I feel good. I feel confident that that's the right person. So why shouldn't that decision be made? Well, it's a family and the emotional tide takes over too. And that kind of washes out indecision or a decision that it <laughs> just isn't made. Someone's going to make it, you know, once I pass. But, uh, uh, you know, if I do it right, we're going to do it the way we're talking right now. Have a plan, have an auction, have a, have a, uh, a presentation, somebody, a competition. Right. And it's based on that presentation, but also maybe it's based on what they've done. And it may be what they've done outside of that organization or part of it, but you start to kind of see how they do to back up that plan. And there, and there are a lot of stories and articles I'm talking about here. And again, you, you can see them in the notes for our show uh, on the podcast. And uh, But there's one more I wanted to, to share real quick because I think this is, this is a good, uh, you know, something people I think can all agree that the, that they want to avoid. And for the for the Miami Dolphins, uh, the, the first guy that owned that was a guy named Joe Robbie. And people may, may recognize that name. I think their stadium's named after him, Joe Robbie Stadium. Right. Which it was. They probably changed it now because they you know, probably took some some dollars to, to 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 name it, but in any case, he had the bulk of his his uh, his assets tied up in the team. So when you look at his you know his, his net worth, it, w- it wasn't like he had the team plus he had six other things that were part of his net worth. Really, the team was you know, was a big part of it. And unfortunately, I guess the way it worked out, he, you know, he didn't really have much or didn't do a good job from an estate planning standpoint. So his heirs, once he passed, well, they had a big tax issue. Yeah, you know, you know whole state estate uh, tax issue, where I think it's like a forty percent number, where they were forced to sell this franchise at a fire sale price, a right. discounted price. Right, that was a big yeah. Because they had a forty-five million dollar tax bill. So picture, put yourself in that situation. Here you are, the second generation. What you know, growing up now, for the most part of your adult life, and probably a good chunk of maybe your, even your childhood, was things are going pretty well. Then all of a sudden, the patriarch passes away, and here's a Here's Uncle Sam, hand out saying, "Hey, Give forty-five me. million, please." And they're going, "Uh, yeah, we don't have a, a vault back here. We can go just pull it out of. It's all part of the team." So, well, hey, there's equity in that. You know, go sell. I don't as, really care. As you're talking, what came to mind is the first generation, the one who owns the asset being transitioned. What's the the responsibility of that person? That person has has to lay down the the criteria for the winner, if you will, of who's gonna who's gonna be running the company, and that person is is got to be selected by me, the owner. I'm the current owner who's gonna transition the company. If I don't do my job, 
they aren't going to do their job. And that can also lead to the unsuccessful passage of transitions like that. So the first generation, the one selling it, owning it currently, has responsibilities that usually aren't highlighted. It's usually the kids screwed up. No, not really. Sometimes the owner, the the yeah. first generation, screws up. I think it's highlighted in all these articles, Jack. It's you know, yeah, talking about no, what, you're what, right. what they aren't That's doing. Right. And I think uh, another lesson learned here is really allow for more time than you think you need. You know, we're touching on the, in the opening here about the Haslam's and their company. I would say they're sixty in the, in the mid sixties. They've only been only for six years, but they're starting this process. And it sounds like a lot of these too. Because you, if you read this article, you, you'll see a lot of them. A lot of these other owners, I think they started. It was, it was it was fits and starts, and a, a big challenge. We see this. If you're the founder, there's a certain ego that comes with that, and so the ego at a million or two million dollar value company. I start adding a few zeros to that, Jack, and it becomes tens and hundreds of millions, or it becomes billions. All of a sudden, uh, you might money, imagine that it? that ego tends <laughs> tends to get more inflated as those zeros get you know get added onto it. And they quoted uh, the former owner of the Washington Redskins, Jack Kent Cook, talking about, "Hey, you know, you know, when I pass, there's going to be another cook running this, and then when that cook passes, there'll be another cook running it, right?" And oh, by the way, I don't plan on dying anyway, Jack, so it's, you know it's pretty irrelevant anyway, you know, and. So what happened was, actually, it never got to the kids. Yeah, he changed his mind, I'm sure, numerous times before he passed away. In his last will, uh, he said he wanted the the ownership to go into a trust, have that sold to somebody else, and those funds go into his foundation that he'd set up. And so <laughs> that wound up getting sold to uh, to a guy named Dan Snyder about 20 years ago for, at the time, was a, was a crazy price of $800 million dollars. I think it's worth three plus billion now, you know, so it doesn't seem too crazy 20 years later, Boy, but at that amazing. time. Amazing. But there, there's that ego part of it, right? Yeah. Hey, it's I, all I, big I feel part. Invincible. The emotional side of this thing is huge on all ends. So it's never too, too early to start. And I guess part of the thing is you want to start, but you want to keep pushing through it and know that, that, that there are going to be changes. Many of these, you know, these articles you'll see, they talk about numerous adjustments or modifications to the will. <laughs> Over the, especially over the last five can't or ten years of that, life, right? Can't you see that scrambling? Yeah, so, a little dementia sets in a little, little just enough yeah. to uh, make it and interesting. Picturing kids and grandkids and and, and new spouses, everybody else kind of pulling Somebody different stuff. Somebody takes you off right. on Thanksgiving, so you, next week <laughs> you talk to your lawyer and you change it. That's right. Who's the last one there kind of does it? Again, these are all very common things that we have seen day-to-day, Jack, and when it comes yep. to the small companies, too, which is why I wanted to share it tonight. And, of course, here we are, Jack. We're up against our last 30 seconds. So we're as always. Fast Sour Radio as always. We thank you for being part of this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small <laughs> Business. You're invited every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, to be part of it. If you want to get a hold of us in between, you can email us, radio at MaximumVP.com, or give us a call, 877-849-0670. If you missed this show or any part of it, you can go back and look at our website, MaximumVP.com, the radio shows that are there, or go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you go get your, your uh, podcast and subscribe to it and leave a Leave a uh, review. would be great. Hey, learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening here on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com.